What's going on, everybody? And welcome into another edition of B-Shape Daily. Brennan Schaefer here with you just after midnight on the early morning hours, obviously, of Sunday, July 10th. And boy, do we have a doozy to talk about for the St. Louis Cardinals. More of the same in Game 2. Second game of the homestand, second game of the series against the Philadelphia Phillies at Busch Stadium as the Cardinals... Same as they did yesterday, did not score a run. Cardinals lose a really disappointing game, one to nothing. And it was even Steven for eight innings in this ball game. The Phillies tack on their lone run of the day in the ninth. Cardinals had an opportunity in the bottom of the ninth to not only tie the game, but to win it if they had gotten a well timed base hit. But hasn't that been the story for the Cardinals over the last week? The well-timed base hits have simply not shown up for this team. And I ran the statistics last night after Friday night's loss, trying to figure out just how bad the Cardinals have been in these clutch situations, situations with runners on base, runners in scoring position, things of that nature. And it had been pretty rough. The Cardinals, and if you listen to B-Shape Daily after Friday night's game, you've heard this statistic already. If you haven't, scroll back on your podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to B-Shape Daily. Scroll back and listen to the episode following Friday night's game where Adam Wainwright pitched a gem for the Cardinals, but the bats let him down. That was kind of the story for Dakota Hudson on Saturday. But here were the numbers prior to Saturday's game. Over the previous six games, the Cardinals were 6-for-38 with runners in scoring position. That's a batting average of about 158. And in the process, they had left 55 men on base over the previous six games. They added on to that total on Saturday, leaving seven men on base. Although, really, it's not that number, but when you get multiple at-bats with men on base and the first guy gets out, that counts as a left on base. The second guy gets an out, that's a left on base. And so, cumulatively, it ends up as seven for the Cardinals in this game. You didn't get very many base hits. You're thinking, man, seven left on base. That sounds a little weird. Well, they had a couple walks scattered. They walked three times, two base hits, and in total, men came up to the plate and did not advance the runner or end up finding a way to get that runner home seven different times. That's 55 for the series, or pardon me, for the last six games, and now you add those seven at 62 over the previous week. Seven games, 62 men left on base. Hey, seven in this game, that's actually better than their average over the previous six games, which 55 divided by six, that's close to 10 per game, about nine and a half per game. Only seven today, so I guess we can hip, hip, and hooray about that. But yeah, the offense is still in dire straits for the Cardinals. We'll get into in today's B-Shape Daily what went wrong for the Cardinals offensively once again on Saturday how this has been the continuation of a trend that should be pretty troubling for Cardinals fans. We'll hear from Ali Marmol after the game, a couple different quotes from him, dissecting those a little bit, because after Friday's game, we talked about it last night on B-Shape Daily, he was a little agitated. You could kind of tell uh, that it didn't seem like he was entirely pleased with the fact that he had to answer a lot of questions about his offense not performing. He knows he's watching the games, but at the same time, the Cardinals had won Their previous game on Thursday, the series finale in Atlanta, was a hard-fought win for the Cardinals in 11 innings. And so to come back on Friday, to get shut out, but Adam Wainwright throws a complete game, there were positives to take away from Friday's game, certainly. 
but it just felt like we were back where we began with the trend of the offense not really being up to par. And despite the fact that they won on Thursday, that was true in Thursday's game. The offense was not up to par. You look at the runs they scored, it was a sacrifice fly by Albert Pujols, and I believe it was the seventh inning. And then in extra innings, both the 10th and 11th inning, Cardinals scored a run, but it was the Manfred man, the what I've taken to calling the ghost runner that is automatically placed on second base because Rob Manfred decided they needed to do that whole shebang again this season in Major League Baseball. Both times the Cardinals got that runner home, that's great, but they didn't put that guy on second base, and so it's a little bit of a cheaply earned run. And along those lines, if you consider the fact that, and Derek Gould came up with this statistic. I saw it tonight on his Twitter account, at D Gould, Cardinals beat writer. I was like, holy smokes, I didn't even realize this, but it's true. Cardinals now, for 18 innings over the last two games, haven't scored a run. Shut out on Saturday, one nothing. Shut out back on Friday, 2 nothing. And then if you go back to Thursday's game, the runs they scored were, again, the sacrifice fly and then the two Manfred men. So those aren't earned runs that score in the 10th or the 11th, which is the way it should be. A pitcher should not be charged an earned run for not, I mean, he didn't put the base runner there. And so even though he gives up the base hit, that's not an earned run. So they got that right. Major League Baseball gets that right. And then back on Wednesday, we go back another day. Cardinals were shut out against the Braves on that day. So now you're up to 36 innings already consecutively where the Cardinals have not scored a run on, or I should say an earned run on a base hit. You have to go all the way back to the first inning, I believe this is right, of Tuesday's game when the Cardinals scored their lone run on Tuesday, July 5th. The Braves beat them that day 7-1. to And so that's a span of essentially five full games, and you figure that there are two innings, the extra innings from the 11-inning game, that are added on to that total. 46 innings since the Cardinals have scored an earned run on a base hit. Goodness gracious, the offense is struggling. And what is most frustrating, I think, about the way it played out on Saturday is that you struggled to produce anything against not Corbin Burns, not Sandy Alcantara, and not even Zach Wheeler, the stud starting pitcher from the Phillies that got you on Friday night. No, this was Kyle Gibson. And on Saturday, the St. Louis Cardinals made him look like Bob Gibson. This is a guy that you... Hit back-to-back-to-back-to-back home runs off of a week ago. They faced him in Philly, and he's the pitcher, if I'm not mistaken here, that the Cardinals went jack-ski four times in a row against. And so when I did B-Shape Daily last night and I was going over the numbers, I was like, oh, yeah, that guy's homered off of him. That guy's homered off of him. Cardinals should probably be able to get some things done today. You know, it stands to reason. And that just was not the case. The Cardinals, two hits in the entire game. I mean, this was an ugly showing. And I know that we talked a lot yesterday. We talked a lot on B-Shape Daily Friday night. Dis- discussing, dissecting Ollie Marmel's comments about, well, tell me who's underperforming right now. You don't have to look too hard anymore, do you? I mean, it's everybody. It's everybody but Goldsmith Arenado. And, and listen, today... Goldsmith Arenado don't have a good game. They did on Friday, but today they both go over, over four for both guys. But here are the guys who got on base today. Yepes walked, Dickerson walked, Corey Dickerson back with the Cardinals now. Connor Capel back down. You really don't. I know that people aren't thrilled with Dickerson, but we'll get to Dickerson in a little bit. But I know people aren't thrilled with him. But he's, you're not really losing 
or gaining anything compared to Connor Capel. Uh, there's just not a lot of pop for either of those guys right now. Lars Newtbar, good to see him getting a base hit. He was one for two, ends up getting pinch hit four later in the game. And then Andrew Kisner, go figure, ends up with a base hit. Albert Pujols reaches via intentional walk in the ninth inning of this game. That's it. So we, we can talk about who's underperforming. We can talk about yesterday, Ollie said, whatever you want to call it, clutch hits. Yeah, I do want to call it clutch hits because you could have made an argument that at some point along the way, over nine innings today, the Cardinals perhaps should have come up with one. Uh, they certainly did not. They only came up with two hits in total, and it was Newt Barr and Kisner, two guys who are batting below 200 for the season, who registered the hits for the Cardinals on Saturday. Kyle Gibson goes seven innings of two-hit baseball, doesn't walk a man, five strikeouts, obviously no runs, because the Cardinals are not legally permitted to score those anymore. Great start by him, but it's not a tip-your-cap day, not in my opinion. And if you listen closely to Ollie Marmel in the postgame, he agreed with that sentiment that it's not a tip-your-cap game. It wasn't Sandy. It wasn't Wheeler. It wasn't Corbin Burns. It wasn't even Kyle Hendricks. This is a guy that you've crushed not six, seven days ago, eight days ago, whatever it was. And it was a completely different story in this game. And I'll play that clip from Ollie momentarily, but I also want to set the scene a little bit first with what took place in the ninth inning because the Cardinals did reach base via walk three times against the Philadelphia bullpen. Jose Alvarado got the win in this game because remember, Phillies didn't score until the ninth inning. Should mention that Dakota Hudson was very good. This was a start, I mean, again, if you're looking through the weeds to try and find some positives, this was a start where you can really feel good about what Dakota Hudson was able to go out and do. He still walks two guys. Walks are always going to be, uh, it seems as though, a point of emphasis in his game. He's trying to rid himself of them. But his his pitches had much more impact today than we've seen, oh, I would say over the last month, last five starts or so. Six innings, no runs allowed, two hits allowed with the two walks. So not bad as far as the base runners are concerned. He had his stuff working today. Four strikeouts, really good outing by Dakota Hudson. Hennessy's Cabrera, a little shaky, walked two guys out of the bullpen, two innings, or pardon me, two outs, two-thirds of an inning. Jordan Hicks came in to finish off the seventh. Helsley looked very good, electric, I would even say, in the eighth. Geo, not the ninth inning that you wanted, but the Cardinals still could have found a way to win this game despite Gallegos giving up the run in the top of the ninth inning. It ended up being a sacrifice fly. It was first and third, nobody out. He got the first out, but then the second one ends up being the sack fly that scores the lone run of the contest. But even heading into the bottom of the ninth, you did have an opportunity, if you're the Cardinals, to make something happen and to win this game. And the Phillies were trying to let you do it, is the thing about that. Cardinals don't get a hit in the ninth inning, but it's almost as though they, they didn't need one. They still could have found a way to win this game, or at least to extend the game at that point in time. Juan Yepes walks to lead it off. Goldschmidt. Grounds out to third. Really, this could have been a double play, but Alec Bohm, who hit the two home runs against Adam Wainwright on Friday, tried to let the Cardinals fans back into his good graces. Should have been a 5-4-3 double play to my eyes. Bad throw by Bohm, sails into right field. Next thing you know, Cardinals have two runners aboard, runners on first and third, nobody out in the bottom of the ninth inning. Tying run on third, go-ahead run at first base. Again, no hits at that point in the inning, but it's all you could ask for. And I thought Nolan was going to make it happen. Arenado strikes out on a tough curve by Corey Knebel. 3-2 pitch. 
Nolan certainly did not appear to be looking curve in that situation because I said if he had been, that ball would have been to the Budweiser Brew House beyond left field at Bush Stadium. It would have been across the street. It's not that it was a hanger. It was just a really smart pitch that Knable threw in that spot. And evidently, I, I wasn't listening with the volume on the TV broadcast, but Jim Edmondson said, he's not going to throw the curve here, so don't worry about that. Oh, I guess he dropped it in there. <laughs> I, I've, I've still not gone back and listened to that audio, but I saw some people poking some fun about that on Twitter. Yeah, it was a curveball. It was a beauty. But again, if you're anticipating, if you're Nolan in that spot, which I guess the hitter mentality Jim Edmonds had from his very successful big league career, he didn't think curve was coming. Neither did Nolan, and that was the advantage that Corey Knable needed. So he strikes him out, but that's still only one out. Dylan Carlson, soft grounder, right side of the infield. And by the way, Paul Goldsmith, who was running it first, stole second on the strikeout of Arenado. And so now it's second and third. He is the winning run. Get it through the infield, Dylan, and the Cardinals are going home happy with a 2-1 to one victory because a base hit would have done just that. Unfortunately, he does not get it through the infield. He does get the ground ball to the right side. And this was maybe a little questionable whether Juan Yepes should have been going, should have scored. We'll get to that in a little bit. Ali Marmel had thoughts on that as well. Uh, that'll be the second clip I play for you guys from the manager in the postgame. But he ends up staying put at third base. Phillies settle it down to get the out at first. And then it's up to Corey Dickerson in the end. And you probably know how that ended up. Again, we'll get to that. We'll get to that because all he had thoughts as well on that situation. But that's kind of the scene where in the post game, obviously, questions are going to come about as to, hey, man, you, I mean, it's first and third, bottom of the ninth. You guys just need that one run to score at minimum. It's 90 feet away. You've got to find a way to extend this game. What were your thoughts on the Cardinals on your team not being able to get that clutch hit? I mean, this is the question essentially that I asked Dolly Marmel yesterday. And even though I hadn't looked up those numbers about what the Cardinals had done with runners in scoring position over the past six days, I didn't know the left on base numbers at the time, but it sure had seemed to me that the clutch hit, when you've got multiple guys on base, it's a two-out hit, it, whatever it is, it has evaded the Cardinals over the past week. And so I asked for Marmel's thoughts on that yesterday, and he sort of just repeated the answer that he had given to Katie about when she had asked, and we played that clip on B-Shape Daily yesterday, when she had asked, what's going wrong for your team over the past week? And, you know, he, he didn't really think that there was a, a an approach issue. Paul Goldsmith did not think that there was an approach issue with this team. The reality, though, is that they're not driving the baseball. They're not getting it done in those spots right now. And so that is something that I felt like should come up yesterday. And the manager wasn't super receptive to to that question. Probably my fault, probably the way I asked it. But nevertheless... That was obviously going to be a topic of conversation in the postgame today. The fact that the Cardinals had runners on first and third, nobody out, and they were not able to get that tying run home to, at minimum, extend the game. Interesting to hear what Ali Marmel had to say about that because I said you got to be able to do damage against Kyle Gibson. And when he was asked about what happened in the ninth, he sort of redirected and reframed the question in the way that he answered it Sounded like he agreed with my assessment of what the Cardinals should have been able to do against Kyle Gibson. You listen for yourself and let me know what you think. How much do one of those guys have to get that run in from third base with less than two outs? I mean, um, yeah, that's the that's the obvious one, but um, not to take anything away from their starter, but you, you got to be able to 
put some runs together early in that game um, and add on the opportunities you're bringing up are, are the obvious ones that you need, you got to be able to drive in that run there. But, uh, yeah, not, not a good one offensively um, for sure. You guys hear that there? I, I mean, listen, I think here's the subtext of what Ali Marmel was saying in that spot. First of all, he was asked about what happened in the ninth inning, and he said, yeah, obviously you want to score in that spot. No kidding. We needed to have done that. But if you listen to the way he answered the question, what seemed to have stuck in his craw a little bit more than the inability to get that run home in the ninth inning was the fact that they didn't get anything done against Kyle Gibson for the first seven because he wasn't asked there about Kyle Gibson. But he sure answered about him. And he said, I don't want to take any way, uh, anything away from their starter, which is kind of like the Ricky Bobby when you say, with all due respect, it means you can turn around and say whatever you want after that. And not to take anything away from Kyle Gibson, but damn, we should have got Kyle Gibson, right? And and I think that is true. I think it's absolutely accurate that after what the Cardinals did to him last weekend, you've got to be able to find a way to muster more than two hits against him over the first seven innings of tonight's game. He was, I mean, he was efficient against you. He was mowing you down. It wasn't like he was a massive strikeout guy, but he was finding ways to get you out and to make Cardinals batters get themselves out. Five strikeouts over seven innings. That's nothing too obscene, but the Cardinals just did not find a way to do any damage against him. And I thought it was telling that Ollie Marmel, when asked about that ninth inning, which absolutely you have to find a way to get it done there. That's obvious, but he wanted to talk more about the fact that they didn't get it done over the first seven innings of the game. I thought that was interesting, something to note, and he was 100% right. Cardinals do need to have a better game plan throughout the entire game. You're going to have your opportunities late, and those are always going to be the moments that we remember, whether they go good or bad. But at the same time, you've got to find a way to be able to get things done earlier and more frequently throughout the game. It's like they slumbered through the first eight innings and then were presented with an opportunity in the ninth, and they weren't able to get that one done. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit more in depth about that situation and probably... Other than the Nolan Arenado at bat, which again, I mentioned briefly, the curveball that Knabel threw him, it looked like it was one that started above the zone. It dropped in toward the top of the strike zone. It was definitely a strike. It's one of those pitches where typically a fan's watching that and they say, oh, you've got to be able to swing the bat in that spot. You have to put a swing on that ball. It's in the strike zone. And no kidding, that's absolutely correct. But the mentality of the hitter in that spot, sometimes it does happen where you, what they call you, froze him. And at that point, Corey Knable froze Nolan Arenado. He threw him something that he simply was not anticipating. And if you're thinking fastball and you see the pitch come out of the hand where it did, you go, oh, that's two feet high. I'm walking here. I'm taking my walk and we're passing the baton. We're going to load the bases up. Nobody out. Instead, it drops right into the strike zone. And at that point, You've only got just a split second to react as a Major League Baseball hitter to what's coming, and he froze it, plain plain as day, and that's just what happened. So I don't have a whole lot more to say about that. It's unfortunate that it happened. It's a Major League pitcher going against a Major League hitter. They're playing those mind games, and that time, Arenado did not get the better of Corey Knable. That's just how it goes sometimes. But let's get into the situation, and Ollie Marmel had more to say about this as well, where later in the inning with Dylan Carlson – hitting that ground ball, stayed on the infield, 
infield was playing in, but you had runners on second and third at that point. Again, you still just need the one run. Fly ball anywhere would have done the trick. Base hit that gets through wins you the game if you're Dylan Carlson. you got to find a way to get that run home 90 feet away. And it's Juan Yepes running, and you might say, didn't they have anybody else they could have gone to? The answer is no. Ali Marmel managed this game very aggressively. was interesting to see the way that developed. I mean, you had Genesis Cabrera and Jordan Hicks in the seventh. You had Helsley in the eighth, Gallegos in the ninth. That is your protocol for a game that you're trying to win. And it was tied until Gio gives up that run in the ninth. So it's not even that the Cardinals were in the lead and they're going to those guys. This was a, a, a manager absolutely selling out for the win and trying to do it in regulation because, again, he used all of his pitching. He used his top guns throughout this thing. I mean, if you were to list off four relief pitchers, that you have the most faith in or that you believe have uh, the most deserving resumes to go in leverage situations, it's probably Hannesis Cabrera, Jordan Hicks, Ryan Helsley, Giovanni Gallegos. Like, those are the four. Whatever order you want to use them, I think, especially after Hicks and with the, the way that we saw him throw 103 in his return to a bullpen role, I'm good with that, man. And so they absolutely went for it. And credit to Dakota Hudson for giving you six innings to be able to allow for that, to allow for only the big guns to be used in relief in this game. Ali was managing aggressively, and I don't mind it. Interesting back and forth. I saw Jeff Jones, Brandon Kiley, Jeff Jones, writer for the Belleville News Democrat, BK, radio host on 101 ESPN. We're talking about the fact that you saw Albert Pujols pinch hitting in the eighth inning, which was another rare opportunity that the Cardinals had potentially to score a run in this game. It was a Corey Dickerson walk. And then you later in the inning had him reach second base on a failed pickoff attempt by catcher Garrett Stubbs. So Dickerson got to second with two outs. They go for Albert Pujols in that spot to replace Andrew Kisner. When you replace the catcher, you know what that means. You're going to have to use your bench. Austin Romine is the backup catcher on this day. And so he's going to enter the game when you make that decision. Lefty Jose Alvarado against Albert Pujols. That feels like a good matchup. But because there was a runner on second base, Philly said, that's fine. We don't have to face Albert. We'll walk him, and we'll go lefty on lefty with Nolan Gorman. And if you're Ollie Marmel, you anticipate that that's probably going to happen when you deploy Albert in that spot. But by deploying Albert, you know you're losing Albert, for one, as a potential hitter later in the game. Like, this is the spot that you're going to him for. And you're also going to lose Andrew Kisner. So now you're down on your bench to no backup catcher either. You'd already used Edmundo Sosa, Tommy Edmund. You've used your bench guys at that point, and so you're going for it in regulation is what that says to me. And what's interesting there is, with the recognition that they're probably going to walk Albert, it's a little tricky to basically waste two guys just so you can have a matchup of Alvarado against Nolan Gorman, who's a left-handed hitter, and they've tried their damnedest to keep him away from lefty matchups the majority of the time that he's been here in St. Louis this season. And you're basically saying, I'm willing to burn two guys from my bench so that Gorman can face the lefty instead of Andrew Kisner, who did have one of the two Cardinals hits on the day. All right, that's kind of interesting, right? Especially with the way that we've seen the Cardinals try to protect Nolan Gorman this season from facing left-handed pitching. Now, he has had some success more recently. As of now, he's 4 for 13 against lefties on the season with a pair of doubles. Coming into this at bat, he was 4 for 12. 
I assume, because we have updated stats that I'm looking at here on MLB.com. Also, a pair of walks. So, like, pretty good numbers. Honestly, very small sample, of course, and he had been rough against lefties in the minors, which is why they'd protected him so far to this point against left-handed pitching. But pretty good numbers in a small sample almost leads him to believe that maybe he could hold his own and the Cardinals should just make him an everyday player, find out what they have in this 22-year-old kid. Maybe he's a phenom. Let him find out and, and see what he could do. Well, that's what Ollie was looking to do in this spot. I have to assume. I have to assume that he knew Albert could potentially be walked or he seemed to think that maybe the Phillies would go to their bullpen, bring up a righty to face Albert. They don't end up doing that in a tied game, 0-0. They say, no, we'll put him on and we'll let the kid see if he can beat a lefty. Nolan Gorman put together a really good at bat. I will say that. I was impressed by the, the way he battled against Alvarado. Ends up flying out, not getting the run home in that spot. But that's just kind of a, a glimpse into the aggressiveness with which Ali Marmel was managing the game. I didn't have an issue with it, by the way. I didn't see the Cardinals scoring any runs at any point. So if you feel like you have an opportunity in the eighth to score, I'm okay putting the game on that situation. Like, I'm okay if something happens in extras and Austin Romine gets hurt and now you don't have a catcher. It's like, well, it probably doesn't matter anyway because unless this team scores a run, you're not, it doesn't matter. I mean, you can have Packy Naughton catch just to get through the game and you take your loss at that point. Like, I really did feel like if this is the best chance to win it right here, go ahead and take your shot. You can debate whether Kisner versus the lefty after having a hit already that day, despite having a really rough season offensively, versus Gorman against the lefty, who historically not good against them, but a little bit of success so far in his rookie campaign. You can debate which way you would have gone. I just think it's notable that that ended up being the matchup, and you lost two guys off your bench, including your backup catcher, to do it. So that's definitely aggressive in in the mindset of a manager that wanted to take his shot in that position and sink or swim with it. And so then we fast forward a little bit to the ninth inning, now that we've broken down what happened in the eighth. And that's part of the reason that you see Juan Yepes at third base. Again, they had used Tommy Edmond, who didn't start the game but came in later. You had Brendan Donovan away from the team today, according to Jeff Jones. I saw a tweet from him. He was ill, Brendan Donovan not feeling well, so he was not at the stadium away from the team and therefore not an option to pinch run in that situation. Full disclosure, I wasn't at the game today. We were doing some home renovation. Got to get the house ready for the baby. Baby due in September. So we got a lot to get to, as they say in the biz. But if you listen to Ollie Marmel with this uh, press conference clip that I'm about to play, courtesy of Bally Sports, it seems as though he wasn't thinking about extra innings. He was really trying to find a way to win the game right then and there, which is why he answers the question the way that he did. On the ground ball by Carlson, infield was playing in. Yepes does not break for the plate on contact. And Ollie was asked, as you'll hear by Rick Hummel, whether he was happy that that was the decision that was made or whether he maybe would have liked to have seen Yepes break for home plate and try to score there, force the defense to make a play. Because remember, the Phillies had already made that error earlier in the inning, and they made another error in the eighth inning when you consider Garrett Stubbs overthrowing on the pickoff attempt at first base with Corey Dickerson. So a couple of errors in the game for the Phillies. Maybe that's a spot where you try to apply pressure when there's only one out. And so even if you are out at the plate, as long as everybody else clings to their base safely, you still extend the inning and give the next guy a chance to maybe win the game or at a very minimum to tie the game. And in my opinion, had Yepes gone, is he probably out 
with a reasonable throw home, yes, I think he would have been out. It's not for sure, though, because you could make an argument that you want to try and force a defense that collectively has not made the plays today to make a play in that situation with all the marbles on the line, game on the line. But here's what Ollie Marmel had to say about that situation after this question by Rick Hummel. Do you wish that Yepes had tried to score on that ball that Carlson no. hit or not? No. Okay. No. He's an out at home. I, I actually wanted him to stay. Uh, he's an out at home. Our, our best chance there is for Dickerson to get a base hit to win the game. We're running out of pitching. We've used our guys. I, I'd rather it be second and third, Dickerson up, than Yepes out at the plate and being first and third. Not looking to play extra innings there. So plenty to unpack there from Ali. What he said at the end kind of goes toward what I was saying earlier. Not looking to play extras there. I mean, you can look at the way he managed the last three innings of the game. Right or wrong, whatever you think about it is fine with me. I personally was fine with the aggression, but it seemed as though he wasn't looking for extras, and then he went and actually said it right there. We weren't looking for extras. We'd used our pitching. We'd used our guys. This was it. We were taking our shot in this spot right here. But did you hear the sentence that came a little bit before that? When he said that our best shot to win the game is Corey Dickerson getting a base hit. Yeah, that probably made uh, a lot of Cardinals fans real excited about what their best chance looked like at that point. And what is it that he said earlier about not to take anything away from the opposing pitcher, not to take anything away from Corey Dickerson. Right, But if your last chance is Corey Dickerson in that spot, first day off the injured list in a season where he has just not been up to his career standards, that's probably not the best situation to be in. But that's where the Cardinals found themselves. And so that's part of it, too. Like I I can understand, even if you thought Yepes was going to be out at home plate, doesn't it sort of go into the aggressive mindset of make the defense make a play and see what you might be able to come up with in that spot? And even if you don't get safely home you still have one more chance at it granted at that point a base hit only accrues one run and you do have to worry about extra innings but man I'm taking my shot I'd rather like if you're giving me the choice between I know I'm gonna lose now or I have a chance in extra innings to maybe come up with a win even without a bench even without any of my top relievers remaining yeah I'm still taking that shot take me to extras and we'll see what we can come up with you never know Packy Naughton saved a game couple of days ago like it can be done but at the same time I understand that they were going to try and take their shot to score both runs right there and if you take the risk with Yepes you don't think you'll be able to make that happen but if there's a guy on the Cardinals roster who I can anticipate may not come up with the clutch base hit when you need a base hit Corey Dickerson may might be that guy in 2022 granted he did give it a ride to right field but they didn't need a fly ball out to the warning track In that situation, they needed a ground ball base hit literally anywhere. But not to pile on too much to Corey Dickerson, I just thought, gosh darn, if you're saying that our best chance there was to rely upon Dickerson rather than force the issue with the defense, you kind of might already have an anticipation for how things are going to end just based on the way that Dickerson has performed. And in fairness to him, he has not been active in in the swing of things on a daily basis. This was his first game back from the injured list that he had been out for quite a while even re-injured himself, I believe, at one point, which sort of delayed his timeline to getting back to the team. And so that's the spot you found yourself in there. And it did remind me of it, and I sent the tweet. It's like, if that's your chance, it's Doctor Strange in Avengers 
holding up the one finger to say that this is our one chance in whatever it was, 14 million and nine or whatever he said to Tony Stark in Avengers. I had to tweet the gif, not to knock Corey Dickerson, not to knock Ollie Marmel or the Cardinals, but just because I found it funny, which can generally explain the majority of the motivation that I have for the things that I do on Twitter. But in that spot, Yepes stayed put. Dickerson did not deliver the base hit, and the Cardinals end up losing this game. Second game of the homestand, another day in which they were shut out. They fall one nothing to the Phillies. And so over the course of these first two games, zero runs in 18 innings. It seems like just yesterday, even though it was more like a couple of days ago, when they ended that 23 consecutive innings without a run scored, yeah, they're back on another streak and at risk of having it extended into that 23-inning range once again. We'll see what happens on Sunday afternoon at Bush Stadium. Andre Palante, 2-4 and four with a 3.03 ERA on the season. He will be looking to bounce back in a big way after his previous start in which he allowed seven earned runs. Remember, he gave up 10 hits. Was his worst outing of the season, worst outing of his big league career for the Cardinals. He'll try and bounce back against the Phillies offense that, frankly, hasn't done a whole lot in this series either, right? They scored two runs. They scored one run. That's three runs over 18 innings. That's an offense that's not really at its best right now either, and so Palante perhaps could find a way to take advantage of that. We'll see what he's able to do. Obviously, this is a lineup here that has not faced Palante at all in his career because they haven't seen him. He's a rookie. On the other side, Nick Nelson appears to be the announced starter for the Phillies, 3-1 and with a 4.17 ERA. See what the Cardinals can find a chance to do against him. you got a right-handed pitcher, 26-year-old, not a ton of experience, but a little bit. It's a guy that they should be able to get after. Uh, I know that sometimes you face these guys that you haven't seen before, and it could be a little bit of a questionable situation. He pitched a little bit with the Yankees last season. So far this season, he's just been a reliever. So this is a possible bullpen day probably for the Phillies. May not see him for all too many innings. But what that means to me is uh, it's a chance for the Cardinals to try and, and unload here try and make something happen against a pitcher, or really it's going to be a group of pitchers, most likely. Like in his last outing, this guy went two innings. He's serving kind of as an opener. He's had innings, or outings, I should say, of three-plus innings, four innings at times. We'll see how far the Phillies let him go in this one and what's ostensibly going to be his first start of the season. But it's a chance for the Cardinals to try and set things right they're really struggling offensively now, seven games in a row. They're one and six over their last seven games. You're seeing the potential to fade in the National League Central. You got lucky today with the Milwaukee Brewers falling to the Pirates. They had a 3 nothing lead, and Pittsburgh scores four runs in the seventh to be able to win that game. And so you don't lose any ground today on the Milwaukee Brewers, but you may not be so lucky the next time. So we'll see what happens for the Cardinals on Sunday. Make sure to keep it locked right here on Be Safe Daily for all your St. Louis Cardinals updates throughout the season. Pretty lean times right now, but we're podcasting away. We're giving you the information and the opinion, the analysis that you want. And so let me know if you have anything that you'd like to hear from B-Shape Daily on specific topics or concepts, trade ideas, anything like that. Hit me up on Twitter, at bshafer 12 I'm always available. Let me know, too, what you think of the show. I had somebody, Lucas, reach out to me today and said he's enjoying the show. Uh, just started listening recently and is appreciating what we're doing here. So, let me know what you want to see. I, I do respond to those DMs, and I see them, so I appreciate you guys when you do reach out. Make sure, too, to, uh, once you subscribe, go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review as well. That always helps 
the podcast grow a little bit bigger and find new listeners all the while. Appreciate you guys. As always, we will talk to you next time on Be Safe Daily. Peace.